straight to his account uh, there at Acts. So, so however you want to do that, we can, we can do that. You can also just, I guess, just hand him a wad of cash. I don't think he'll care. Um, who, who would? Who would be upset? Be like, nope, I'm taking your wad of cash. So, so this is Pentecost Sunday. This is uh, the, the, the weekend that we celebrate in the church of the moment that, that Acts chapter 2, that happened in Acts chapter 2. And this is when the uh, church was empowered. And, and some people would say it was the, the birth of the church. I, I don't think that's a true statement. It was the empowerment of the church. The church is already existing. In fact, if you really look at the, the people of God, the kingdom of God, and all that kind of stuff, the church had existed for a long time. Uh, we, do, we do see that when Jesus dies on the cross, that he, he brings it into to, uh, completion. And now we see where the cross, it shouldn't be a transition from Judaism to Christianity. It is the seamless line. Obviously, that's not the case in many people. But we see where the church is now empowered. It's the empowerment of the church. And, uh, and so this literally changes the world. We, we see where this transforms everything, that the world is completely different with this. And I, I want to put this into focus with us this morning because it's different. Different people look at this differently. Some people would say that it was Jesus dying on the cross that changes the world. And, and, it, and it does. It gives the foundation and the gospel to humanity for that to happen. But if it weren't for the moment in Acts chapter 2, none of us would be here today. Even though the gospel is the change agent, Jesus Christ dies on the cross so we can be forgiven. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that takes that from person to person. It's not just the gospel that automatically goes from person to person. It is the power of the Holy Spirit within our existence that gives us compassion, boldness, motivation, all those kind of things that help us to carry the gospel from, to, from one person to the next person and then generation to generation. And I, and I would say, and there's no way we can know this purely, but I would argue that, that the reason that we, that we have the gospel today is because they were obedient and were empowered by the Holy Spirit before they tried to go out and do this thing. Um, oh, I also, I did something to my arm. Some of you guys are wondering, so I hurt my arm, and uh, they're doing an MRI Tuesday to see if I need surgery, and I'm praying that I don't, that it's just a strain. It's a bicep tendon, and it, it may be torn. So, um, so that's what happened. That's not what happened. That's the result. What happened was, is I, is um, Linda's scrappier than you think she is. She's, <laughs> uh, I picked up a barrel downstairs, the water softener barrel, picked it up, and it just, some very painful things happened in my arm. So, so I want to I kind of look at this idea of, of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and what that carries for forward. See, this is one of the things that I think, this is, to me, this is probably the, the I don't think probably, I think it is the uh, biggest struggle that the American church has in, 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 in very different than a lot of other places around the, the world. In the American church, we have, Satan picks on everybody. Satan picks on everybody on the planet. His, his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. But what has happened in America is he has a very different approach in America than he does in a lot of other places around the world. It's what I call lazy boy Christianity. He has lulled the American church into a sleep that we don't really realize there's spiritual things going on. It's very, we have a very um, sanitized, very uh, kind of um, um, cognitive uh, approach to Christianity where, where 
there really is a spiritual thing going on, but we've kind of cleaned all that up and pushed it off to the side. We don't think spiritually. We don't process that way. The most we think spiritually is the way we feel. But in reality, Satan is trying to destroy people. He's trying to do that all over the place. We, we see in America, this would be one of, my, one of my easiest ways to argue this point out, is in America, the church is getting smaller and smaller. We're, we're not seeing this, this huge transformation of souls coming in. But in other places around the planet, it is happening. It's happening a lot in other places. There are some places that people are getting so f- saved so fast, we can't keep up with it. It's interesting that in America, we push the supernatural and the spiritual off to the side. We've made it not part of what we are. We don't need a supernatural God. We need a comforting God. We need a feeling God. We don't need a supernatural look in the face of Satan and say, you're defeated God. We don't think that way. We've got hospitals, so we don't need healing. We've got jobs, so we don't need provision. And all these kind of things that kind of subconsciously ingrade ingratiates it into our life, and we, we process Christianity different than a lot of places around the world. Another thing that Satan does is he takes the, the up-in-your-face supernatural off the table. In other places around the world, and you can go to many places and see this very common, spirituality is really up-in-your-face. There really is voodoo, there's witch doctors, there's, there's uh, people cast spells, they have spiritual conflict. That stuff happens all over the planet. But in America... Satan keeps it uh, really quiet and on the down low. And then if we do see any kind of spiritual stuff going on, any kind of manifestation in a person or a situation, we give them enough drugs to numb them so much that we, that, and then put them off in a hospital or do something else that sometimes these are actually spiritual things. They're not necessarily mental and emotional, but we're not, we don't know how to deal with it. And so we just put them off to the side. And, and we're, we're, looking at things from a non-spiritual point of view, but everything around us is spiritual. This is, we are spiritual people. This is a spiritual world, and there is a fight going on. Satan is trying to destroy people. He's trying to destroy their lives and their souls and their existence, and there really is evil. There really is this stuff. Look at America. We've pushed spirituality off to the side, and, and we're getting more and more immoral. We, we, a guy asked me yesterday, I think he goes to Methodist Church here in town, and he said, what do you think about all these school shootings? Well, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, they're bad. And um, he said, how do you think we're going to fix this? And I said, I'll, I'll tell you what I really think about this. At, at this point, I didn't know he was a Christian. He told me that later. And uh, he said, how are we going to fix this? And I said, I think there's only one way to fix it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that has to start this thing, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and then I will hear their, heal their land. That To me, that's the only thing. We can do political things. We can try to confiscate guns, all this goofiness and stupidity that people think through. None of those things are going to fix anything. You can vote new people into office. It doesn't, that doesn't fix things. New laws on the books doesn't fix things. The only thing that's going to fix it is if we as a people will humble before a holy, almighty God. And if we will repent and humble ourselves, we have a chance. But, I mean, that's literally it. When, when, a, when, a, uh, when a society gets to the point where they don't respect human life, these are the results. How, think about this. This is another thing I mentioned to the, to the guy yesterday. This was before I was born, but in the 60s at University of Texas at Austin, a guy got up in the watchtower, the clock tower of, of, of UT, and began to shoot people with a sniper rifle. And um, 
That was an anomaly back then. That was a weird, bizarre, there's something wrong, this has not ever happened kind of thinking. Nowadays, we can't go more than about three or four months without something like this happening. Why? Well, when you start not respecting human life, what does that mean? When you abort babies to the hundreds of thousands every year, when euthanasia is a, is a conversation that doctors and lawmakers are having, then what's the difference between that and walking into school and pulling the trigger on somebody? If you say human life, it doesn't matter whether it's in the womb, if human life is not important, it's not important. They're not useful to society. They're not contributing. Kill them. If, a, if a, an adult gets older and they're no longer useful to society, they're just draining on society, kill them. If a third grader is not contributing to society, kill it. It's an it. It's not a human. It's an it. So kill it. That's the way our society is thinking more and more and more. The only way you can fix that is get before God, the creator of human life, and realize that every single human being is created in the image of God and has purpose and is special, regardless of whether that's in the womb or they're 95 years old. Humans are special. They're created special. They're created different than the animals. We're special. When you lose that, you, killing people is just okay. It's just part of the norm. Somewhere we have to get on our face before God. Well, then what does that have to do with Pentecost Sunday? See, I think one of the things that has happened, and this is, I lay this primarily at the feet of the church, is we have lost the, the, the power of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, and we now have a, a, a form of godliness, or what I would call a religion. Religion doesn't help society. Religion it's just frame, uh, frameworks, guidelines, rules, different things. And different people have different rules, depending on what culture or whatever the case is. Religion doesn't help anything. But when you have this relationship with Jesus that is empowered by the creator of the sun, the moon, and the stars, then you have something that's legitimate. In Acts <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus tells them, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promises. I told you before, I don't think we put enough emphasis on this scripture. He had been saying, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. It says in all four gospels, one, it says in all four gospels very specifically, but literally it's everything that he had been saying. It's, it's, it's the full body of his work. It's not just uh, Mark 16, 15 or, or Luke 24. It's literally the, 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 the entire package of what he was saying. And then he says this strange thing that we just kind of skip over. He says, now go preach the gospel, do this, do this. But then he says, but don't leave Jerusalem with this gospel that I've been begging you to go preach. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've been given the power to do this. Because you're going to fail. It's going to turn into religion. It's going to be halfway. You're going to get caught up in, in, in the mire of it, and you're not going to get there successfully. You're not going to get there long term. So you've got to have the power. So John baptized with water, but just a few days, in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. This is why you're waiting, because you need power. You have to have power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now these people were already saved. You have the Holy Spirit at salvation, but you don't have the power. 
You need empowerment. That's something very intentional, very specific that the Holy Spirit does, and it's not the same thing as salvation. He is taking that salvation, and he is empowering that salvation. That's why he told them, don't leave. You've already got the message. You already have Jesus in your heart, but don't leave until you get the power. You will, be, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. This is, this is the key. What is the power for? To be a witness. Now, this is in verbalization, but this is also in life. This is, this is living life in a power mentality rather than in just this is I'm going to be a good person or I'm going to be a good moral person. That, that you're, you're transitioning this into I need power to live this out, to think this out, to verbalize this out. I need power to be this witness. Let me, let me show you this. In Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Then Paul went to the synagogue and he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Now, I do want to throw this out here because I think this has to be part of the discussion is part of the reason that the American church has so little power compared to many places around the planet. You understand that most places around the planet where the gospel is really, really strongly moving forward, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is at the center of that message. The, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is the foundation that all these other things are, are resting on. This is why we struggle so much in, in America is because we don't have a foundation or, a, or what I would say a need, a necessity, or a desperation for empowerment. We don't need it. We can live life without this power. And the church in America proves over and over that they're doing this. They're failing, but they're doing this. We have the, we have the, the religious side of things. We have the understanding. We have the knowledge. We have the head knowledge, but we don't have the power. And, and, the, and the church is, is struggling in America. We're falling. We're falling down. We're losing generation, generation, generation because we don't have the power of this. So he begins to preach the gospel persuasively, but some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word, word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. This is something we don't process in America. Do you know there are people all over America that are possessed by Satan? We don't think about that. We don't know that doesn't happen. It does. It is. It's, it's been consistent in humanity since the beginning. People submit themselves to Satan, and they are possessed by Satan. We have no context for that in the American church. We have no context. I, I, have, I have been in moments many times over the years where I've prayed for people to see Satan cast out of them, and I've watched it happen. And when I tell the story, you can see where people's eyes just kind of glaze over. They're like, I don't have a clue what you're doing. Most people don't even believe it happens. Most people don't even believe. And, and the reason, part of the deal is we make movies out of this, and we make it trivial, we make it sidelined, and it's not real to us. I remember when my, when my in-laws first went to, uh, to Africa, um, Lion King had just come out. The cartoon movie Lion King had just come out, and, and we were coming over there to see them, and we were going to bring some stuff, and we told them some movies, and one of them was The Lion King. We're thinking a cartoon movie. They said, don't bring that movie. When he, when, when, I don't remember his name, when Daddy Lion holds a little baby lion up over the cliff, 
and he's dedicating him, and then the guy with the little stick and the rock on it and the paint on his face, they said that is a voodoo um, dedication to Satan on that baby lion. Do not bring that movie. We cannot have that stuff. The church doesn't understand this stuff is real. This stuff is real. And, and we, 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 we play games with this. Like, well, it's, just, it's not really that big of a deal. And Paul is casting evil spirits out of these people. A group of Jews were traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation. Power living is not incantations. You can't just get a nice little prayer together and hope that the power of God is in that prayer. This is something bigger than just words and little things. This is supernatural God of heaven in conflict with the kingdom of hell. And we're seeing this played out right here. He says, these guys said, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. There's a, there's a major problem with this thinking. I command you in the name of who Paul preaches? Shouldn't it be I command you in the name of Jesus whom I serve? Who lives in my life? I command you under the authority of Jesus that I am walking in? But they weren't walking in the power and the authority of Jesus. They, they, there wasn't a power for them. They were trying to do this somehow um, through somebody else. And then the seven sons of Sceva, leading priest, they were the ones doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but I'm about to open a can on Okay, so I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? It got ugly really fast, because what they're saying is the message that Paul preaches. They weren't walking in true power, which, again, I, I really believe, and I'm not trying to be overly critical of the American church, but I really believe that's the way we're thinking in American. We're, we're, the American church thinks that way. In, I, I pray in, in, in about the Jesus that Paul talked about. I pray in the, in the name of Jesus that this church talks about. Or this guy wrote a good book called In the Name of Jesus. I talk about the Jesus he writes about. When does it become the Jesus that lives and dwells in me and breathes into me his spirit and the Holy Spirit rises up within me with power and he uses me with power and people are healed around me with power. This isn't Paul's message. This is my message. This isn't Paul being anointed. This is me being anointed. When do we think like that? And they said, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit, one against seven, leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. That's spiritual, not physical. That's not apologetics that is trying to convince somebody of something in the Bible. This is not a cognitive reasoning out and understanding something. This is power that transforms a life, that gets in the face of Satan and says, you're not in charge. And... and Satan also has power, and he can bring it too if you're not walking in power. This is, this, again, in the American church, we are so um, sanitized. We are so plastic with this stuff. And we really think that listening to Christian music is going to tear down the strongholds of hell. It's not. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit tears down the strongholds of hell. Going to church every now and then doesn't look Satan in the face and say, you are defeated. Satan could care less about whether we go to church. He could care less. 
But when you start getting up in Satan's face and saying, I claim my son and my daughter with the gospel. I claim my next door neighbor's soul with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That neighbor across the road has cancer. We're going to go see that healed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within me and quickens my mortal body and gives me the ability to walk in power. When we think like that and we act like that, life around us changes. These This guy, full of demons, whooped their rear all over the place. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city. Man, I would love to see a solemn fear descend on Colorado Springs. Wouldn't you? I mean, a true God is God and we're not okay. This this mentality, I think, has, has invaded the American church. We're all good like we are. We're all okay. We're not. We're not. We're in, the, we're in the, the literal throes of a spiritual battle, and we're losing it. And I, I hear Christians all the time say, well, it's not the battle, it's the war. We're winning the war. Jesus is winning the war. Don't confuse this. Jesus is winning the war. But that doesn't mean we're on his team. He's winning the war. But if we never win battles, are we really fighting the same fight he's fighting? If we're not even getting there and fighting it out spiritually, are we really fighting this? And I think it's just an American church cop-out that says, oh, well, well we're going to win the war. I, I won't even, I, I, okay. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was $7 million. I skipped verse 18. Let me write, read that again. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. I've been talking about this a lot lately, but I, I know that when we get close to the Lord, when Christians get in close to the Lord, repentance always begins to happen naturally because he's holy and we're not, and we recognize that. The next thing is that we should recognize that we need power beyond this limited physicalness, that we need this power. So the message of the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Not a cognitive reasoning effect, not an understanding of scientific and and laws of physics effect. I'm reading a great book right now um, by by an atheist. He's an atheist that is a physicist. And he is writing this book about how science nowadays has has made a major, major shift. And science is no longer about science. It's about anti-God. It's about proving God is not real. And he said they've become obsessed with this. And he gives all these statistics and, and data, just pages after pages of explanations and breaks down arguments and all kinds of stuff. Most people would say, oh, that's boring. I really get into this stuff. I don't know why. But, but he, he breaks all this stuff down. Now, remember, he's an atheist. He didn't even believe God is there. But he will actually use scripture that says this is what the church believes and this is how science argues with it. And he says science's arguments with this stuff is stupid. He said they're arguing something out that does not even make sense even the way they're arguing it. Because why? He said they've no longer been about trying to prove things. They're just trying to, to, not trying to settle laws or, or really work out mathematical things about the solar system. He said the only thing they're trying to do is prove that God isn't real. He said that's a religion. That's not a science. That's a religion. And he said the science world has become more religious than the church world. They're just more emphatic about it. This is the way he rates it. He says science, most emphatic. Islam, next emphatic. And he goes down and Christianity is way down here. He said, we're not emphatic about what we believe. 
because we just don't care. Now, he's pointing to the church and saying that. He said, I, he said, I don't believe in God, but I don't think you guys do either. It was, it's pretty sobering. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Now, I read Wednesday night, we worked up through, through all nine verses of 2 Timothy 3. But verse 5, I'm just going to pull this out. Paul tells Timothy, in the last days, this will be the things, and this is one of them. They will act religious. They will have all the church stuff. They'll have Christian books and Christian radio. They'll have church services. They'll have Christian online TV. They'll have everything that you can imagine. But they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I was at a luncheon this week, and uh, the luncheon was about a, a group that takes Bibles to countries all over the world, and we were there specifically to talk to them about India because of our India uh, stuff that we're, our pastors and our church were doing in India. And so one of the pastors that was sitting there, um, he, he pastors a church called The Sanctuary. His name's Eric, great guy, really, I mean, just, just the really solid, down-to-earth, good pastor, solid guy. And, and he was sitting there, and, he, and we're talking. He's sitting, we're eating lunch, and he's talking. He said, you know, I went with this group to a, to a trip to Nepal a couple years ago. And I said, so, because they're wanting us to go on trips. That's why we're there. And, and, um, and, he, and I said, would you go back? He said, hands down. He said, the way they do things. He said, but let me tell you about a story that happened in Nepal. He said, we go in Nepal, we go up in the mountains to one of these uh, tribes uh, up in the mountains, um, and, and these are very, very unreached, and they're also not just unreached groups. They don't have access to the gospel, which is a whole other layer, okay? There's some people, groups that are unreached, but they, but they have Bibles and things like this. This group doesn't. And so, um, so he, he said, we went up in there, and we were going from village to village and trying to, to preach the gospel. We had uh, Bibles in, in basically their language. I mean, different tribes are different, but he said, we're going, and he said, we come to this one uh, village, and he said almost, well, everybody in the village was Christian. So we asked him, you know, made sure you believe Jesus died. Yeah, we're Christians. And, they, and he, so he began to ask them, why are you Christians? And they said, this was their story to him. They said, well, um, so-and-so, uh, their grandmother had died. And she, she was laid out there. They had been preparing to bury her. It had been a couple days her body was laying there. They needed to bury her for obvious reasons. People start stinking and stuff like that. So, so grandma's laid out there, and they're, they're in the process of getting ready to have the ceremony. I mean, they're actually starting the ceremony to uh, bury this woman, all the stuff that's involved with this. And this missionary had come into the village that morning and walked up and said, do you, do you mind if I pray for this woman? And they said, she's dead. She's been dead for a few days. Do you mind if I pray for this woman? They said, sure, pray for her. So they prayed for her. The missionary prayed for her, and she rose from the dead. And then they told him, this tribe told him, so we all decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> because why? That's what you do. When somebody's raised from the dead, you follow that God. That's different than all the other gods. And he was sitting there at the table telling me this. And, I mean, he's getting overwhelmed by this. He can't even hardly tell the story. And he actually told a couple more stories that were similar in different villages. And he said, this is the thing. He said, that's the book of Acts in real life. That's the church in the book of Acts. Now, a lot of theologians nowadays say a book of Acts mentality means first-generation souls. But that's not the message of the book of Acts. 
The message of the book of Acts is first generation of souls because the Holy Spirit is powerful and he does miracles and he casts out demons and he sees people saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed of all kinds of things. That's book of Acts, church. And this pastor is sitting there telling me this and I said, you know, Eric, this is the thing. That's what it's supposed to look like. He said, that's exactly what it's supposed to look like. And then, because we're pastors and we pick on our churches, um, we begin to say, yeah, but what we do is we want more coffee shops in our churches, because that'll get them saved. That'll bring them in. And I said, Eric, you understand that, that uh, there, there's a, a legitimate argument that says there's a lot of churches that just want to bring them in. They don't care if they get saved. He said, that's exactly right. Guys, when did we, when did we stop caring about the power the true power, that when somebody needs healed, we know the God that does it. And when somebody needs transformed, we know the God that does it. This is the thing the church in America just doesn't get. We will not be effective without submission to the Holy Spirit and true power of the Holy Spirit. We will not be effective. Somewhere we have to realize that we can't just do our little Christianity and everything works. Somewhere we have to transition in our mind and say this demands supernatural intervention from a Holy Spirit through my life into the world. The Holy Spirit doesn't do it just in a blanket sense. He does it through people. And I need power. I need power to look at people at my workplace and say, I know what can save you. I know what can fix your lives and your relationships and your marriage and and take the depression away and all the stuff and the evil and the junk and the morality that's trying to invade your existence. I know the power that can change that. That's the Holy Spirit. Somewhere there has to be within us. The understanding that regardless of whether anybody else thinks this way or what I'm going to think, Holy Spirit, use me. Empower me. I I, I grew up hearing this in Pentecostal churches, and they were wrong. When they would say, well, you know, the reason they were all filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 is because they all got in one accord. That's not the reason. That just lets you know they were all on the same page. But then it says that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, a tongue of fire on every single one of their heads individually. In other words, regardless of whether they were in one accord, there could have been one flame of fire, 10 or 200. But we understand that the flame of fire was on everybody individually. Why am I saying that? Why is that important? Regardless of whether anybody else wants the power of the Holy Spirit, you go after it. Regardless of whether anybody else wants to be empowered, filled, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, those kind of things. Regardless of what anybody else thinks, you don't have to get with a group to make it happen. You can say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Boom. Now you and the Holy Spirit are doing this together. Jesus stood in front of the disciples. He breathed on them. I believe it is that simple. It is as simple as breathing. In fact, I believe that's the main reason Jesus did that, is to let you know it is as simple as breathing. Holy Spirit, I need you. My my father used to say this all the time. He used to say, Holy Spirit, I need you, and then you breathe in. That's it. You breathe in. And then he says, what happens? When you breathe out, pray in the Spirit. Breathe in, breathe out, pray in the Spirit. It really is that simple. Guys, somewhere we have to be convinced that this is important for us. We have to be convinced of it. Stand with me if you would. (coughs) 
Satan is trying to destroy every person. But we have power over that. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead when all of Satan's forces were trying to keep him in the grave will quicken my mortal body. That means right now you have the ability to have more power than anything Satan can do against you. But you got to get that. you got to own it. Bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us. We're all going to begin to pray this, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do this. It's what He wants to do. And I, and I want to push into your world a little bit. If, for some of you that are, that are very comfortable with praying in the Spirit, I want you to pray in the Spirit. I want you to pray in the Spirit out loud. And if you say this is uncomfortable for me or this is new to me, listen to those praying around you. Listen to them. Listen to them praying in the Spirit. It really is as simple as breathing. Let's pray. Lord, we need you more than anything we need you. Lord, there is an attack constantly from Satan. Lord, your power is bigger. Lord, help us to get it. Help us to see it, to need it, to desire this this, um, empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need to be witnesses. We need to live it. We need to verbalize it. We need to, to get it out there. There are people around us that are sick, and we have the power to see them healed. Lord, there are people that are consumed with all the junk that the world has, and we have the power that can set them free with your blood and with your gospel. Lord, there are people that Satan plays and manipulates. Lord, and we have the power to see them set free. Lord, help us to see it. Help us to need it right now. Our marriages need your power, Lord. Our families need your power. We need this. Help us to see it in our spirit right now. In the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we ask you, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Fill us with you, with your power and your spirit. Everybody here, just ask him, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me. And deep in my mind, in my, in my gut, in my brain, fill me with your spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to pray out loud. That is how you're empowered. That's not a sign of empowerment. That's how you're empowered. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. Colorado Springs needs us to be empowered. Our workplace needs us to be empowered. Our family needs us to be empowered. Lord, help us to walk in your Spirit right now. Consume us with you. Consume us with you. God, I pray for anybody in this room that this is, this is new to them or, or outside their scope. Lord, just reach in their spirit right now. Let them know. Let them know what your scripture says about this. Let them know that this is for them right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, and teach us a dependence upon your spirit. That when we walk in your blood, that your Holy Spirit empowers that. When we walk with your message, the Holy Spirit empowers that. When we live your message out, the Holy Spirit empowers that. God, give us a dependence upon this in Jesus' name. Give us a dependence. Lord, I pray that we as a church will truly begin to walk more and more, begin to walk in your spirit. That we'll think this way. 
will process it this way. Lord, that every one of us in here will recognize that there truly is a battle right now between heaven and hell. And that every human in this room will go to either hell or to heaven. That every one of us here and every person we come across tomorrow will go to hell or to heaven. Lord, we need your power to give us compassion and boldness. To give us wisdom on what to say, when to say it. Lord, we need your power. We need your power. In the name of Jesus. So I want to leave you with this. Again, see, I think, I, I think you should wake up in the morning and pray in the Spirit. I think you should go to bed at night praying in the Spirit. I think you should pray in the Spirit all day long. That's how you're empowered. That's like lifting weights 24-7. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Again, if this is, if this is new to you, talk to the Lord about it. Go to the book of Acts. Read it. I, I, figure it out for yourself. I might be totally wrong about all this. Go to the book of Acts and read it. And then ask the Lord, Lord, if this is from you, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. And this is available to us. So let me leave you with that. Encourage you with that. Push toward the, that constantly. Make it this week. Make times of prayer this week. Lord, I need to be empowered. I need to be empowered. It's too important, it's too necessary. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the chance to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee he will honor that in your life. So shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, tell them how wonderful it is to see them today. And uh, we will see you tonight at my house. If you let me know, 20-somethings, Monday night, church Wednesday, a lot of stuff happening. We'll see you this week. Have a great rest of your day.